This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Lynn Coleman. She's Vice President of Administration and Finance at Howard Community College. Hi, Lynn. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm excellent. Thanks so much for joining me today. So you've been at Howard since 1986 in a variety of roles. I wonder if you can sort of give us the snapshot tour of your tenure there. What um, sort of when I started here, I actually came in as controller And um, I really just was over the finances. But since that time, I have gone to the vice president, moved up to the vice president level. And I now am responsible for a number of things besides finance, which includes uh, facilities, um, our capital projects, human resources, public safety and auxiliary services. But what I love about our campus is when I came here, we had not had any new buildings probably in about 10 years. And um, I I have watched our campus grow. So um, that's one of the beautiful things I've seen happen on our campus where we've expanded. Um, we are one of the fastest growing community colleges in Maryland, and I'm just excited about how we continue to. Um, we have a new building on the way right now, and I'm excited about that as well. How did you originally land at Howard? Did you always know you wanted to be part of higher education? No, actually, um, I had no thought of going to higher education. I was working as a controller for a real estate company, and um, I decided it was time to look for something new. I looked for a number of jobs, and I interviewed here. You know, when I left the interview, I went back and I started thinking about all the things that were happening in higher ed and what it would expand to. And um, when I was offered the job, I took it, and um, I have never regretted it since. I I love working in a collaborative environment. I love the people here at Howard, and um, I am I just love my job. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of variety in in your role. Is that part of what's kept you there? Yes, because you know finance. I love finance, but it's you know not to the point that I want to continue to wanted to do that every day in in and out. And with um, being over, I'm a CPA, but besides being the CPA, I also Um, have learned so much more about facilities, um, being part of the master plan process on campus and help develop the campus over the year has been something that has really um, excited me and uh, given me the opportunity to meet with a number of people on campus that I probably wouldn't have if I just kept with my finance role. Mm. It strikes me that creating new buildings, and it sounds like you've done a lot of that in your tenure, is a really different skill set. So can you talk a little bit about what you, what you had to learn to, to make that a successful project for, for the university, for the college? I, I guess one of the things I did learn early on is that you really had to hire good people to work under you. And I rely on them um, for, you know, everything to, to make sure my job gets done successfully. But um, I, I look for people that I know are going to collaborate with others. And I think 
having the ability to hire also good architects who um, knew how to work with our campus because mm. we've, we've had a number of buildings on campus. Some architects um, have done an excellent job in being able to draw out of the faculty and other people the things that they're looking for in a campus and also introduce mm. us to new concepts and new aspects that maybe the faculty hadn't thought about. But our faculty at Howard are very innovative too. And so they've come up with a number of wonderful ideas about things they wanted to do in buildings. And that, you know, has been, and I've been in those conversations and, and sitting with them and the architects as they, you know, designed it. Well, they talk about what they'd like to see in their facilities. And that has been something that has excited me. It must be very rewarding to sort of see that from concept to execution. Absolutely. Yes. What are the unique challenges you find at a community college in general as compared to a four-year institution and at Howard specifically? One of the things I think is that when you're at a community college, um, you have to wear many hats. And so you play a number of roles, um, not just with the finance area, but I mean, and facilities. I mean, anytime right now we're getting ready to go through a compensation study. And so I'm working with human resources on that. And that's given me the opportunity to look at other, well, we're just starting that process. Mm -hmm. Um, Public safety, we're in the process of rebidding some contracts for outsourced security. And so just working with them in that area. Um, And also we, uh, we outsourced our bookstore recently. And I think that was a good move. And that was just another aspect uh, with auxiliary services that I've had the opportunity to to work on. Mm-hmm. And do you think those are unique to the community college setting? I think it's unique in the sense that I have so many roles um, to play and mm. we have to be able to switch things easily. I think at a community college, you're very agile and you learn to switch, you know, hats, you know, um, seamlessly. And, um, and that's, that's the the beauty of being at a community college, you get to play so many different roles, but also you don't have the um, luxury maybe at a four-year school of having a lot of specialists, you know, to work with you. So you have to kind of learn things from the ground or hire a lot of com- outside people that help you with that. Too. Mm. And to your point of being agile, what do you think your CBO colleagues at four-year institutions can learn from the community college model? I think the community college model, even though we do go through the whole higher ed thing of having the committees that, you know, go on forever, we do do things quickly. I've watched us put up systems, um, total administrative systems. One time we had to um, dump our old system and put up a new one, and we did that in under a year. Wow. Um, I think we've, you know, learned to change um processes because the state and the federal government have have put a lot of regulations and that's regulations are everywhere. But I think when you're at a community college and you're small, you have to learn all those things together where you don't have a department that's going to um, do that for you. So that's being at being having the ability to change things quickly or change to different things, not change the process, but to change um, hats and change roles of what you're doing quickly is mm-hmm. something that um, has helped is that that I think you know everybody can learn from so especially when you if you had an emergency or something too that would help you in that process as well for sure uh, who has served as a professional mentor to you specifically throughout your career 
Um, I've had several mentors. I think one of, when I came here, I was really just in the controller role and I started and there was another vice president who was here at the time. She has since retired, but she was over our institutional advancement area. And she knew I, because I came from a real estate company, I didn't have the higher ed background. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things she introduced me to that helped a lot as, and then she helped to sort of mentor me and mentor me in a way. Um, I also know that there have my predecessor, even though he had left here and taken another job, I happened to meet him. He went to a bigger school and um, I had a lot of conversations with him. And then before he retired, um, I had the opportunity to work on a partnership with him where we actually developed um, another campus together. But he was somebody I could call all the time as well to just ask about things that happened here previously, you know, when he was here or even just in higher ed in general. And um, so those are two people um, that have helped a lot. And also um, my president now and my former president, I just feel have been wonderful role models and mentors to me that I um, could always learn from them and rely on them. And they've helped and pushed me um, to do more than I probably would have <laughs> not pushed me. So that's a good thing, too. Yeah. What would what advice would you give somebody who has their sights set on becoming a CBO as it relates to mentorship, seeking out a mentor or that process, whether it's formal or informal, any advice that you would you would have? I think you have to look at somebody you respect and you would want to emulate. And I um, mean, I can definitely say that about um, all of the presidents and my other two um, mentors that I had. And mm-hmm. I, I think you look to somebody that you um, want to, you see how they're handling different things. I think having a collaborative spirit, because that's something that's extremely important to me, they're willing to work at and help you. Um, because sometimes you approach people and they're a little too busy and they don't want that. So mm. it's sort of like a two way street. You have to look at somebody who you think um, is willing to talk to you, maybe just have lunch together and then you can ask them if they would um, or ask them if they would have lunch with you and then ask, you know, if they would help to mentor you. And if it doesn't work out, then I think you look for other um, ways to learn things um, besides just having the mentorship ability. Um, our state association and ECUBO and NACUBO have been invaluable to me in learning um, different processes that I've had to to do my job. So you, you mentioned that you are excited about building projects that are happening currently. What else are you really excited about? as it relates to your role? Um, I think one of the things is we are always looking for a way to make improvements. And so even though the state has put some um, some things, some more regulations on us um, as far as looking at ways to manage our budgets or whatever, um, I also think that learning to do some new things like dual enrollment at our school. One of the things we're getting ready to work with our public our public schools on is a partnership where the high school students will come to campus mm. and take classes here as well. So that's going to be another processes that we're going to have to look at because high school students just can't come on campus the way they would a normal student would because, as you know, at most of the high schools they have um, – you don't just walk right in the front door. You have to have, <laughs> there's a little bit more security right. there. 
it's not quite as open as our campus is. So that's a new project I'm looking forward to working with our public school system on um, and bringing high school students here for what we call dual enrollment processes. And we already have some dual enrollment um, things set up, but we're looking to elaborate on that and expand it dramatically. So that's um, an area that I think would be successful. We also, um, I mentioned, we're starting our compensation study. And I I know people have complained um, a lot, even though we have pay for per, performance at Howard. And I think mm -hmm. that's really important that we keep that. But I think um, people want to be rewarded for other things um, too. And so I'm, I'm hoping when we start this process with our new consultant on the compensation, that will help us to expand um, and give opportunities to people as well. What role do you see or have you felt technology playing in sort of the changing ecosystem that is your college? I think we couldn't function without technology. As a, as a CBO, it concerns me that the cost is going up so much because mm -hmm. uh, one of my other challenges is our budget situation. I mean, we have been very fortunate in Maryland with our budget, um, but last year we got no additional funding from our county. You don't want to put the whole increase um, on the students with tuition. Mm -hmm. And so um, technology has, it's, it's something that is, been a wonderful thing, but it's also frustrating because it changes so rapidly right. and you have to have the funds to keep up with it. And at a community college, that is something that we have really struggled with because there's so many things that we would love to do, but we don't have the funds to do. What are you doing now that you never would have imagined you'd be doing 10 years ago? We recently completed our master plan process. And although I had been involved in another master plan, every time we've gone about doing that um, and redesigning, the, we've redesigned the campus, but it comes out better. I keep thinking with the last master plan that we weren't going to improve upon that. And we did. I mean, I, we've come up with a new plan, not completely redesigning, but we've just moved some buildings around. And I just love the way that the campus looks with that. Um, the other piece in getting involved in some of the buildings, too, there have been challenges along the way with our recent parking garage that we had. And um, something that I learned from um, one of my mentors, I, the former president, um, really has helped me with that process, too, because they, she wouldn't take no for an answer. And we got a lot of no's on some issues with our parking garage and you know, I think sometimes it's easy to say, well, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, I think after watching her in a particular instance, that sort of inspired me that, no, there is no, no, you don't take no. You just continue on and try to find other ways and start going up the ladder and finding other people to help you um, get something through, which we have gotten the garage started now. But I never thought I would be calling some of the people or contacting some of the people that I am um, I have had to do because of that process. Talk a little bit about your role as it relates to calling people potentially in the community or outside of the university campus, the campus system. Um, what I, I guess I've learned is that, you know, 
people really do love the college and they want to work with us, but sometimes they see something that's going on and they just don't quite understand why we decided to do X. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that you work with your community. We've had a lot of community meetings uh, with people. And when I get there, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to have a, you know, issue about some angry people, but instead they've all been very, um, positive about the college, but they just didn't understand what was what they were doing or what we were doing and why we were doing it. And then after you explain that to them, they were more open and actually offered to help you push some other um, project forward if you needed it. So um, that's reaching out to your community, um, the neighbors, not just the neighbors, but just your county in, in a community college or county. And I guess that's at a four-year school too, you know, mm-hmm. the, down relationships is very important in making sure that they support you. So when issues come up, um, you don't have surprises because we did, I have learned along the way, there have been some surprises when we didn't always work directly with the neighbors. We just started doing something without. Do you find yourself playing the role of an, of an advocate and sort of spokesperson as it relates to the community? On a day-to-day basis, I don't do that. We normally let our public relations office do that, Mm -hmm. but I'm your things come up like our projects, our capital projects, then that's when I have um, been an advocate in the community for those and just showing the community what's going on. But I don't do that on a day-to-day basis. Our, normally our president is the, or our, our PR office is sure. normally person in the, you know, for other issues that are going on. As you're talking to your other CBO colleagues, whether they're at a community college or a four-year institution, what would you say is the biggest challenge that faces all CBOs today? I think enrollment challenges are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, this past year, we, Howard for the first time has seen flat enrollment. um, And actually, we had a um, 3% decline. It wasn't just flat. It was Mm -hmm. a 3% decline. That was the first time this happened to us. And when you look at the projections out for our public schools, our public schools are going to take a dip next year because those are our big feeder schools. Um, and then there, there will be an increase in enrollment um, two years down the road. But mm-hmm. it's facing that because we grew so rapidly, we didn't really keep up with the growth. And now that we have um, grown to a certain level, we also starting to drop, you know, you have to look at your revenue sources and how you're going to manage that um, when you have the slight drop um, over a period of time. So and st- sort of keeping the ship going um, with less resources than maybe you had before. And our county, uh, which has been growing for years, last year had a big dip too. And so that you know, didn't help the situation when we were not, when our enrollment's dropping and then we got no increase from them and mm-hmm. how you continue to look at ways you have to um, look at your resources and see what you can do to save money or to cut things out. We actually made a very hard decision recently. We had a center that was not doing as well as we had anticipated with two other schools. And we recently um, in November, in December, made the decision to close the um, center. It it won't close until June, and it's been announced, but that was a very tough situation that we've gone through, um, trying to say what you, realizing that there are things you just can't do everything, and sometimes you have to cut back and um, reassess situations. So that's something we've looked at. Yeah, that's a, that's the, I think everybody faces that on their campus at some point if their enrollment starts to drop. Making the hard decisions, for sure. 
I always like to ask CBOs if they have any particular resources that they turn to, whether it's looking for sources of innovation in in the industry or in another industry. Are there any resources that you read or follow that you might recommend to people listening? The Business Officer magazine has always been a source to me, but I, I also think what's so important is to attend the workshops and conferences. I mean, the annual meeting for Nakubo and Ikubo those are invaluable to me. Um, and also our state association, um, they're also, I'm a, because I am a CPA, they also have the Maryland CPA Association mm. that I go to those meetings as well. But going outside of your institution and even visiting other schools, um, you get to see how others operate and what things that they're doing that maybe you can steal shamelessly. (laughs) You know, you look at those things and I've I've just met so many wonderful people from Nakubo um, that have helped us along the way. So that's, that's been a big uh, plus for us. Actually, um, a couple years ago, we had our health sciences building and we were putting a dental program, uh, dental assistant program in there. And we had contacted some of the four-year schools around the state trying just to get them to help us with develop the, the curriculum for the program. Our academic VP did that. And so they were not willing to help us, surprisingly enough. And hmm. a contact I had from um, Nakubo in, in Nevada, really because they had a big dental program at the community colleges there, was able to actually help us and come here to um, set the program up. So I, I ne- that never would have happened had I not had those Nakubo contacts that I had met along the way. Anything else you'd like to share that I've neglected to ask today, Lynn? I guess just one of the things about when I look at my staff, I just think it's really important that our, our as a business officer, one of the things I see is that people are sometimes shy or maybe brain dead when it comes to finances. They're really good in other things, but they need help in their financial, um, uh, looking at their statements, understanding their budget. And I've always stressed in my area that that we are sort of the teachers out there to help them do that. And so we have always tried to um, reach out to the college community and co- constantly hold workshops and other things to train the community on their financial statements so um, it doesn't seem like a foreign language to them. And mm. that's something that I would encourage other people to do because I think um, our our finance office, we have ratings in the college that we internally um, handle on different things. We all rate other departments and they've gotten high ratings because of their helpfulness and their willingness to go the extra mile to to work with people on um, their learning and understanding things that maybe they don't do, they weren't used to doing before they took that job. Definitely serving as that translator sounds like an important role of your job, not just about being about the numbers and looking at the big picture, but really translating that information in a way that's easy for people to digest and understand sounds important. No, it is. And that's where I've always stressed that with my staff to sort of we're a customer service center, not just here to run the numbers. Mm -hmm. We also help people understand the numbers, too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for your time today and for sharing some very important insights with us. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, too. (laughs) So you can find out more about Lynn and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and iTunes so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Lynn and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. 
This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. 